following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. Good morning, guys. I uh, would welcome all your... Uh, we don't have the clicker today, so if I look a little bit lost, it's true. All right. As every road trip, it has to have one thing in it, <clears throat> and this is something that... Do you take food when you go on your road trip? Okay, well, if I had the choice, I would make homemade chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> For breakfast, anyway. Just to say, I've been uh, a cookie monster for about 35 years, and uh, I love chocolate chip cookies. So that's the, like the test, the taste test for us, or the tease of, this is going to be good stuff today. Today's going to be good stuff. Guys, in uh, Eldridge's book, page uh, 106, he says, listening to God on behalf of one another may be one of the greatest gifts we can offer each other in the body of Christ. We're going to unpack that today. Listening on behalf of others. God can speak to us about our lives, but when he speaks to you about somebody else, that is known as the love of God being poured out. We're going to look at, let me see here. Come on up. Okay. We're going to look at John 4 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and open to John 4. And I'm going to read, we're going to read a, a good portion of it this, to start. This is a familiar story to many of y'all. I've always uh, loved hearing this story when it's taught from the pulpit or when I listen to it on a podcast. But as I was preparing for this, I thought this is a Jesus story that fits what we're going to talk about so well today. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Pick it up here on the screen. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Key in on that for a second. Jews don't associate with Samaritans, and especially Samaritan women. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Continue in. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I'm skipping ahead two verses. But whoever drinks the water I will give them, I will I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become 
will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's giving his kingdom and the life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, remember this, go call your husband and come back. Do you remember this story? And here's what, he's giving her a direction. Here's the punchline. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. How did Jesus know that? How did he know? She told him, I have no husband. And he told her the rest of the story. She didn't run away. She didn't flee. Out of the love of God and the, and the intense interest in her, in her, she stayed with him. So let's take a look at this, dive down into this for a second, because it's really important, the step-by-step -step of what happened here. We don't want to miss this. First thing, Jesus traveled to Samaria. This was a foreign territory to him and went to a well. It was noon. Asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water. That was unusual in itself, isn't it? Any comments on that? Please add to it if you have any comments or perspectives that you've heard. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for a drink of water. That would have been unusual in this, in this kind of area. Jesus certainly shared about living water. The gospel. He gave the gospel. She was interested. This is awkward to me. Jesus asked her to call her husband. He already knew from the father. He had listened to God. He already knew what the situation was. And she stated, I have no husband. And then he came with the strong punchline. The fact is you, you've had five husbands. He called her up. He called her out. And the man you now have is not your husband. Somebody was that direct with you, what would you have done? What's that? Whoa. See ya. What was her response? She was humbled. But she didn't she she didn't resist him, did she? She actually drew closer. Why would that be? Well, let me add a complexity. I think. I've heard this put, if, if she's a Samaritan woman and she's going out in the middle of the day to get water, she's most likely, she's a prostitute. Have you heard that before? So, yeah, she, so she already carries a lot of shame and guilt to the water, but she's She's there, and he confronts her, a man 
who knows her and see, reads right into her heart. What do the townspeople do? Later in the verse, John 4, 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. I've heard it put that when she went back to her village and she told her village and the other women and the people, there were more likely a thousand people that came out from the city to see Jesus. Have you heard that? those kinds of numbers? A, a lot of people. She was completely undone. God showed her the love, his love and opening up her heart. And she was set free by Jesus. That's the power. That's the power, man, of listening to God on behalf of others. I'm going to share a few ter personal testimonies here. Um, just like I, uh, 35 years ago, I became a cookie monster. It was about 25 years ago that I, somebody invited me said, Steve, have you ever listened to God? And so over those last 25 years, um, I've had the privilege of having God speak to me on behalf of a lot of people for a lot of times. So I'm just going to give you a, a few snippets here. Um, it was uh, last summer, it's a businessman that I do business with. He's out of Omaha. He I'm going to call him John. That's not his real name. Anyway, I text him on a, I know him well enough to, uh, to text with him. And so anyway, I text him on a Saturday morning. I said, hey, John, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and your family today. Heard nothing in response. It was a Saturday morning. I don't usually text business people on, that I do business with. I'm in the energy industry. He's out of a company in Omaha. I, I didn't hear anything from him. That was in probably June. Uh, he came to Houston in August. And, hey, Steve, I, I really, really want to have breakfast with you in August. So two months later, John invites me to breakfast. I go to the, the Hyatt downtown. And he said, Steve, you remember when you texted me on that Saturday morning? Uh, sure, John. <laughs> sort of a little bit sheepish there. He said, you, do you know what happened? No, I don't. The day before, I was in a cabin uh, in South Dakota, and there, there were tornado sirens going off. And we decided that we were going to go on the other side of the, the lake with my family of five. So we went across the lake in a boat, and as we came back, the house that we had been staying in was completely leveled. So when you texted me, it showed me that God was with me on that day. It was a reminder that God was with me. That little text with a few words in John's mind made it clear God was with me on this time. 
Um, a handful of months ago, I was in, in worship with, like many of you guys are. I was in 11 o'clock worship service, and uh, I sit, you know, in the audio booth, I usually sit towards the, uh, the freeway side with my Bible study class, and anyway, I was just sitting, worshiping, listening, and praying, something like that, praising God, and uh, I saw a woman that was a little ahead of me and over, I'm going to call her Chris, that's not her name, anyway, I felt like God said, after worship, I want you to pray for her. Really, I don't really want to do that. Self-dialogue, I don't, I don't really want to do that, Lord. Well, I did. After service, I went over, and the first thing she did was she started crying. She's single, as I am too. She said, nobody ever pays any attention to me. Nobody really knows what's really going on in my heart about being single. I was once married. I was married to a pastor. He had an affair. And men seem to stay away from me. So when you came up to me and said, I want to pray for you, God wants you to know that he's still with you. She just started sobbing. Again, listening to others Listening on behalf of others changes their lives. This week, or it was actually last weekend, I go to an exercise class at the Y. And uh, anyway, the instructor had mentioned that he was going to be out for a bit because he had uh, some pain in his, I think it was his left kidney. Anyway, and he said, hey, uh, folks, I would appreciate you guys praying for me. And so anyway, I texted Jim last weekend. Hey, Jim, I'm praying for you. But the cyst on your kidney, would the pain or the, you'd get relief there. This was last weekend. I woke up actually in the middle of the night praying for him. I don't usually wake up in the middle of the night or I try not to, like you guys probably do. Anyway, out of that, uh, I go to class on Tuesday this week. So what is it? Today's Thursday, two days ago. At the end of class, he, he, he motions me, hey, hey Steve. And, and he sort of looks down. He said, you know, you, you were the second person. I, I had another friend that texted me and said, you, you know, Jim, you ought to believe that God can help you in the area of your health and your healing. And you were the second person to come alongside to me to say, I'm praying for you. Let's believe God for your help and healing. He got the results from the, from the MRI, from the doctor that had done a procedure on his kidney three years before. So before they just drained the fluid out of the, out of the cyst, out of his kidney, the doctor looking at Jim square in the face said, Jim, I really don't understand this. Three years ago, we took the goodies out of your cyst. And today, there's no cyst. That was two days ago. He's crying in the middle of the hardwood floors at YMCA. We're sitting there. We're standing there alone. He's crying, and I'm crying. Why 
did I invite myself to do this? Did I say, you know, one of these days I'm going to be listening to God and I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying over people and I'm going to be, their lives are going to be intertwined with mine? I didn't do that, guys. First of all, I'm not smart enough, and second of it is, I'm too proud, too proud to do that. I got invited by the living God to invest in other people. It changes their life. So guys, when it comes down to this, this is a little bit of Eldridge and a little bit of Dizrin's here, and hopefully a lot of Lord. Well, what does that look like? If you're going to be listening on behalf of others, what are the, what, what are the things that really connect? I think we're okay on time. Essential is listening, listening to others. This is on your fill-in sheet. Above everything else, guys, Lord, I, I want to be willing. Lord, I want to join you for the sake of others. You know, just like if many of you are married, it's, it's like giving your wife an opportunity. Honey, how can I help you? What do you need? Son, daughter, friend, you're opening the door to your own life and with your own investment. I'm willing. So the first step is you have to bring your own willingness. The second is you really have to learn to hear God speak to you on behalf of others. 25 years ago, it, it seemed to be that what I heard was, Steve, call this person. Pray for them. Well, what about if there's an answering machine? Leave a prayer on the answering machine. Just a simple step. I did that hundreds of times. And the number of times that people called me back, or next time I saw them said, Steve, how did you know at that time to pray that thing for that situation. It blew them away. And in exchange, it blew me away that I was actually getting into their lives whether I knew it or not. So it was that little step of, call Jacob now. Call Fred now. Pray for Dustin now. Pray for Adam's wife now. Whatever that is that God gives you, and he will give you if you open the door to him. So tune to God. Lord, anything you have for me? So it's that open question. And now here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the big step, boys, the, the big one. God's going to say something sometimes. You... You want me to do what? You want me to pray for that lady, Chris, in after worship service? I, I don't want to, Lord. You, yeah, go ahead and do that. I don't want to, Lord. No, go ahead and do that. By the way, God does not relent. You, you will not out negotiate. He just cuts through the chain. Cuts through it and says, I, I want you to do that. He's inviting us to partner with him on behalf of another person. And he is intensely focused on loving that other person, and he allows us to, be, to join them. And then here's, I mean, bottom line is this. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. 
If Moses had to, when he saw the burning bush and God had to challenge him to go see Pharaoh, who was his stepfather, right? And he had to go a few rounds with God to see, I don't want to do that, God. I can't speak. Okay, I'll, I'll send your brother with you. God invites us onto his playing field. He doesn't demand it. He invites us. And we have the privilege. So when God says do something, Lord, when do you want me to do that? You want me to go pray for it right now? No, after service. After this service? Yes. What do you want me to pray for? Whatever I give you. So he's going to give you something. Pray for him. Maybe just pray for him like I did the the exercise instructor at the Y. I just prayed for him. I didn't call him. Not really. Maybe you call somebody. You know, many people blast the fact that we've got cell phones. Man, it's an opportunity through texting, calling, emailing, whatever is on your phone to be an instrument of God for others. Uh, texting to me has been astonishing on behalf of others. Hey, Gunwill, I'm praying for you right now. I'm praying that God would watch over you and love on you and care for you. You can do that in a second, guys, with, with any of you. You can do that for your wives. You can do that for your kids. You can do that for anybody. You can give. Steve, I want you to give $200 to this guy. I don't really have $200, God. I want you to give $200 because he needs it more than you do. But whatever it is God has in, on his mind, he allows us to be part of it. And then the last part is, you, it's time to go. Go for it. Guys, at your table, we have two questions there. I want you to circle up for a handful of minutes. In this story of the Samaritan woman, what did the Samaritan woman and the town experience after Jesus spoke to her? And then that second one, the essentials of listening for others. Which ones do you do best? Which ones do I do best? And then, which ones do I sort of need to work on? We'll come back in a few minutes. All right. Great. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me again this week. Um, and thank you, Steve, for that awesome time early this morning. Um, so I am going to talk about retaliation. Um, as kind of the first part of what we're going to go through today, and then the second part will be joy and maintaining joy um, in our lives, whether that's in struggle and trial or uh, just everyday life, um, kind of the daily grind, which is kind of what he touches on at the, uh, the end of the book there. So um, let's get started. Yeah, so I think once we have a, a victory, so to say, um, with the power of the Holy Spirit and with the Lord, um, we have a breakthrough in an area, just like Eldridge talks about in the book. Um, we become really vulnerable to follow-up attacks because just as when we become Christians and the flesh has inflicted a mortal wound and the flesh begins to die off and the spirit begins to grow, the same thing can happen in an area where sin had been entrenched or where doubt had been entrenched or wherever it was that the enemy was attacking us. Um, so while that may become begin to die off, He's just going to step up his attacks in that area. Um, and just like uh, Eldridge talks about with Sally and going through and talking about despair, surfacing again just the very next day after they had this major breakthrough. Um, so I think that that's something that we need to be cautious of and aware of. Um, 
So that kind of brings me to my next point, is that after those places of breakthrough and victory, um, we're vulnerable. Um, we're really vulnerable at that time um, to attack. Um, and so what do we need in those times um, of a, a new chapter, so to say, of a new beginning um, of something that had been put to death? Um, we need spiritual nourishment. We need spiritual protection and we need encouragement. And how do we do that? What does that look like? Um, you know, whether that is through prayer, whether that is through community, um, whether that is through reading um, the Word of God, whether that is through counseling, um, biblical counseling, whatever that is, um, we really need those tools that we can use in our spiritual life to be able to defend against future attacks, and to be able to grow in the Spirit, and to put up that hedge of protection around us so where we're not vulnerable um, to those places. Um, so I, uh, I personally can identify with a lot of what he was saying um, in the retaliation page or section. Um, a lot of it being during that time of struggle in my marriage, like I shared about last time, after we had had a breakthrough, so to say, um, that didn't mean that just because we were on now towards the path of reconciliation that everything was going to be joyful and perfect and awesome, right? Um, as I maybe thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, so, you know, once we got into that next phase, we were really vulnerable at that time to slip into an old habit, to slip into doubt. Well, God, you have healed this. You have brought about a new covenant here. You have, you have made a new chapter in our life. But are you, are you going to fix this one little spot that's still unhealed? Like, you know, you, you did all this, but I don't know if you're really going to fix everything, right? Or let the Spirit work in every single piece. And I think that was something that, um, that we really had to guard against, and we're very thankful that we had, uh, we had some great biblical counseling from the Counseling Center here um, to really put our, our antennas up to those kind of attacks and to not fall into those traps that, that the enemy is going to make. Because where we have had such a great victory in our lives, that's where he's going to attack again because he's lost his foothold and he's going to want to try to set up shop again. Um, and that's where we're our most vulnerable. So, yeah, so I'm kind of sharing on that and, and continuing here in retaliation. I just wanted to read, um, read a few things here and then uh, I have uh, some scripture I'd like to go over with you all. So um, how does Jesus respond to uh to Satan's repeated attacks, and that can be found in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, when he's tempted in the wilderness. Um, I don't think we'll read the whole, the whole thing here, um, for those of you um, that may not be familiar with that text. Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, and he's tempted many ways by Satan, right? Um, so while we might have temptation as the initial uh, attack here, Satan then says, okay, I didn't get an in here. I'm going to try this route, and then I'm going to try this route, and then I'm going to try this route. And how does Jesus rebuke him um, in each one of those attempts? Do you all know? Scripture. Exactly. He uses scripture. So kind of in that theme, why don't we go over some of the scripture um, about retaliation, about spiritual warfare, um, and about some of the things that, uh, that we're talking about today. So I have handed a few out to you all, but I will read this first one here. Um, the first one is Ephesians six twelve through 17. This is about putting on the armor of God. Um, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the power of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly, heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the blessed breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So I think that's such a vivid um, depiture of how we're supposed to put on the spiritual armor of God and use those different uh, defenses as well as offenses to defend against those attacks that we're going to have. Um, so the next one's 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 through 5. And Adam, why don't you read that one for us? Right. So Christ is always faithful to meet us where we are and to protect us. And if we remember how God loves us and how Christ has endured for us, why wouldn't we readily obey his command? The next one is 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I think I have it here. <laughs> be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I think this even goes on to say, act like men. Um, so I think that one speaks to replacing lies with truth. To be strong in the word. To be strong in the spirit. To be strong in the Lord. The next one is James 4, 7. John, why don't you share that one with us? Exactly. So... If we submit ourselves to the Lord, if we humble ourselves and bring where we're feeling that vulnerability to the Lord, he will flee from us by the power of the Spirit. Um, the next one would be 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, which, sorry about that. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And I think this talks, kind of ties into what Steve was talking about, praying on behalf of others. Because when we are in this vulnerable state, we need to have that community of the church, that fellowship of friends and other believers that can come around us and can pray for us and can walk with us and that we can go to. Um, and I think that's a big, big point um, to be able to defend against these attacks. Um, the last one would be 2 Corinthians um, 10, 4 through 5. And that one says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So God's power is divine to demolish wherever that root or that sin had taken up, and then divine to protect against it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And that's all it is. And the second phase, when we're in this retaliation phase, is it's just something that's trying to demolish the truth of God, that he is not good and that he was not right to persevere and to heal and to make right whatever that was, to have victory over, right? But the victory has already been done. Um, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ because we can have a mind that wants to believe um, those attacks, that, those lies, that Satan is infiltrating our minds with. Um, so with that, um, why don't we go to our first table time?
um, and uh, go over these two questions here. So really the first one um, maybe focused on what struck you about the idea of retaliation. Um, and then on the second one, you're needed to fight and not surrender. What does that stir up in you? So why do we not surrender to uh, and just roll over against, uh, against these attacks? But take a few minutes and we'll be back. All right, guys, we're, uh, we're running a little bit short on time here. I know I tend to be uh, a little wordy, so my apologies. And I just want to make sure that we can get through the last part here and uh, just have a minute to discuss the, uh, the second part, joy. So I hope that uh, retaliation was, uh, you know, you all had some good discussion around your, your tables there. And just I can just, just want to encourage you to really stand firm in those times, just stand firm in the faith. Um, and, you know, my pers personally, I know that that can be hard. It can be hard to not have those doubts and to not or to have those doubts and to um, feel like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel, um, that you will always be stuck in that constant uh, cycle. Um, and that's just, again, another lie. So put on the armor of God. Use the spiritual tools that he gives us um, to just defend against those, uh, those times. Moving on, um, we're going to talk a little bit about joy. Um, so how, how do y'all feel um, in regards to joy and happiness, maybe, um, in time of a trial? Has anybody had a time of trial uh, that you probably were not very happy? Um, do you feel like joy kind of crept out? Yeah. Right. Right. And I think that's, again, kind of goes back and ties into what we just talked about, of having that's such an essential piece to this whole kind of path through this fall chapter is maintaining that joy and the essentiality of joy, because it is one of the main things that will keep us rooted in the Word of God keep us rooted in our firm faith in him and in our salvation. And when we have that joy, what can come against us, right? If we remember all of the blessings that we have um, and that he has given us, we may not focus then on this problem that's at hand um, or the trial that's at hand because it can look like the biggest thing in the world, right? But to God, it looks like a speck um, because all he sees is his grace covering us and Jesus' blood covering us, washing us white, and we are looking holy and perfect to him. Right? Right. And up at the counseling center here, they have a, a plaque. If you all have been up there, you've probably seen it. It says, every true strength is gained through struggle. Right? And I think that kind of speaks to that of, having that joy in the midst of that pain because it is a process of sanctification, process of making us holier, process of making us more uh, sanctifying, sanctified. Uh, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Process of making us more sanctified. Um, and it's a gift from God, right? That joy is a gift from God, and it enables us to find that hope and peace, even when things don't look so great for us. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's just important to, uh, I think we've talked about the essentiality of it, um, maintaining that joy, even in the uh, the light of the circumstances. Um, doesn't, just rejoice always. You know, they're, like I touched on earlier, 
We have so many blessings that we, uh, that we have and that God has given us and he's bestowed upon us, and we need to focus on those and rejoice in the Lord because, and we'll get into the scripture here in a second, that's exactly what God's word commands us to do. Um, and then the last is that our strength comes from joy. Um, and I think in my story, um, despite of the suffering, despite of the, uh, the hardship that we faced, despite of, uh, you know, I can think of even other areas of life that maybe tie into to, uh, marital problems, um, but take family, right? Um, my family was not that supportive of us walking through this together and coming out um, on the other side as a unified, um, you know, safe couple right, um, especially one side of my family, um, but just maintaining the joy in that struggle and maintaining uh, the strength in that joy allowed us to still witness to them, and I'm happy to say that now we have a healed relationship with them on that side, um, and it's only by the strength of the joy and the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to want to love them despite of their brokenness, um, and that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Um, so to wrap up here, we'll go through um, go through some scripture again. Um, and uh, again, I've I've had a couple to uh, hand out here, but the first is going to be Galatians five twenty two. Um, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. The second is five, or excuse me, First Thessalonians five sixteen. I think Gabe, do you have that one? Yeah, so five through six, five sixteen. Oh, just five sixteen. <laughs> I think I think there's a little, uh, <laughs> but thank you. I'm, I'm like. <laughs> there we go. For this is God's will. <laughs> For you in Christ Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> The next one, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Again, joy is Holy Spirit fuel, um, and we need to be in prayer, and we need to be in God's Word to fuel that spirit. Um, next one is James 1, 2. That one's not you, no. You're the next one. <laughs> um, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Joy in trouble or joy in trials is possible when we consider how God works in us and how He works through those trials to build us up and sanctify us. Next one, uh, Philippians 4 4, Steve. Right, so true joy doesn't depend on the circumstances, but on the presence of the Lord with us. Um, and because of that, we can have our permanent joy in Him. Um, next one would be Romans fourteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. So by having that joy, we're participating in the kingdom of God by having joy in our hearts um, and maintaining that joy. And then the last one, um, Nehemiah eight ten, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, and I think that's a great way to wrap up of just having having that ability to have a Holy Spirit-powered, fueled joy 
that is such a great gift from God despite of what you're facing. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Garden Room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day. Open your